the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE. Energizing the success of business and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And today, since it is the last Friday of the month, we will be free riding. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Very good, Ed. Looking forward You're to this. To free ride? Yeah. You bet. You All bet. Right. All right. Well, I know that your stack of stuff is stuff. I'm sorry, is bulging this week. So uh, I am gonna I'm gonna give you prerogative and kick us off. I I've been teaching uh, the Sage Consulting Academy all this week. So w- once again, my voice is a little shaky. Not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago, but uh, but 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 I'll definitely give you prerogative. So hit hit me. What you got? <laughs> Okay, well, this this is more of a cleanup item just because of our show on June 3rd, uh, a check for everyone, the basic income idea. And I think we talked uh, a little bit the following week about how Thomas Sowell came out with a couple articles in his column denouncing the basic income idea that it lost uh, wherever that referendum was. I can't even remember now. Switzerland. Switzerland. Thank you. Uh, It lost there. I saw George Gilder at the Independent Institute. He came out against the basic income idea. Well, Ed, on June 4th, 2016, The Economist came out against the basic income idea. It said, it's an answer to a problem that has not yet materialized. This is pretty interesting coming from The Economist. If anybody, Mm. I thought that they would be kind of for it, but... You know that famous Oxford study everybody was quoting a few years ago, or about a year ago, I think about 47% of the jobs are subject to automiz- automation. Yep. yep. Right, everybody, and and, and gee, in accounting and auditing, it was even worse. It was like 90% or something. Um, and they, you know, they basically poo-pooed that, and they said, well, that's just way too gloomy. Um, you know, this this world hasn't materialized yet. And they also said, and this is a pretty interesting insight, that it would encourage the first world to shut off immigration, or if it kept it doors, its, its doors open, it would create second-class citizens by not maybe giving them access to this basic income. They did say mm-hmm. it costs too high. The costs are way too high, uh, and the benefits are really unknown. They worried about tax avoidance and evasion, which <laughs> you, you don't see much in the economists. They don't, they don't necessarily worry about high tax rates like like we supply siders do. Um, and they also talked that it could be alienating and socially corrosive and lead to purposeless lives where people just get paid for existing without yes. working, contributing. And, and, you know, that, that argument carries a lot of weight with me. And that's basically what Sol was saying. And that's what Gilder's concern is. Charles Murray has come over that concern though, but, um, anyway, I just thought it was interesting that the um, economist uh, said no. Yeah, yeah. Let's chat about that for a little bit, Ron, because I, I, I've been doing some thinking since that June sixth show as well on that, and you know, it, it, the and, and I agree with a couple of assessments of, from the economist. Number one, it it is right now solving a problem that doesn't fully exist, right? Because it, it is a lot of doom and gloom that bots are going to take over all of the white collar jobs and. Yes, while well, I agree that, that that we're trending in that direction and think that that is something that we need to be on the lookout for, I also note that we need more creativity and we, we, we can't imagine some of the jobs that might spring up as a result of this. They may not look like the current accounting and professional jobs, but 
they they might might be out there. We just right. we just can't envision them. So uh, I'm I'm on board with that piece of the analysis. It, you know, Murray, Murray of course says, "Hey, listen, this is cheaper than what we have now." So I'd be you know it'd be interesting to see if if they're using a different set of numbers. But uh, you know, with with regard to to causing this, uh, and, and I guess it would be a, a source of, of of concern for me as well. Meaningless lives. Isn't that a choice of any individual anyway? It is. That's Murray's argument <laughs> that if people are out of the labor force now, it's not going to matter because they're not going to join anyway, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. at a certain point, a certain point, can't, do, how how much of this has to be up to the individual to make a decision as to whether or not they think their life makes a difference, yeah, and not and not somebody else in society telling them that it does. I mean, I just. I don't know. Uh, maybe because I've never fully experienced, I guess, that level of alienation. But yep. uh, I, I just, I just, I just can't see it. And I suppose that this, that's just the way my brain is working. So it's a bias I have. Well, you know, it kind of goes back to you know, and get into the whole argument about the family breakdown and all of that. And then, and of course, you've got the social capital argument, right? The bowling alone, Robert Putman. You know, the social capital is is broken down in a lot of different communities and that's very alienating and corrosive and leads to, you know, we're seeing increases in suicide and, mm-hmm. and drug abuse by, by gee, Ed, you know, uh, middle-class white people or not middle-class, but lower middle-class. Um, you know, these statistics are kind of alarming. Um, and, and that, you know, the basic income, I don't think would necessarily dr- drive that further, but mm-hmm. it, 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 there's no doubt that culture and social capital and family have a big impact on whether or not you're going to have meaning in your life. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. So, All right. So and, we're, we're good on that one. Yep. And the good point about their, their number analysis, they did use some numbers um, that were, you know, their plan or their analysis of the plan was not an analysis of Charles Murray's plan. So when they did their numbers, they said America could afford basically about 6000 per year, but they did not remove Social Security. Charles Murray's plan removes Social Security. Right. His plan removes everything. Yes. So yep. it, it, it does right. depend on what you're analyzing in, in terms of the number that you come up with. But Sure. Sure. So. Yeah. Good stuff. It's All right. Nice. Well, this is that's going to continue to be an issue. I I, I don't see they, they, we not I might not be ready ready for it right now, but I, I see that as coming up over and over again at some point in the future. It, it's it's an idea that I think is strong and and pretty powerful. I agree. I agree with you. Yep. So in fact, it's already being piloted. Uh, the Economist article did talk about a couple other countries. Finland and the Netherlands are planning limited experiments with some citizens paid a monthly income of roughly a thousand euros. Okay. No. So we're starting to see more pilots, more experimentation in different countries. Got it. All right. So it's my turn. You bet. All right. So I'm going to talk just briefly about this, Ron, and I know. Uh, that you and I have talked limited about this, and I sent you a video clip. Uh, I have a new obsession, Ron. Uh-oh. Yeah, a new obsession. I am completely consumed and obsessed with the Broadway musical Hamilton. Oh, yes, okay. And yep. I, I, I bought the, the cast recording, I don't know, maybe two two weeks ago. I think I, if I checked my, my number of listens, probably 20, 30 times I've listened to this all the way through already. Now, Ed, just uh, just real quick, th- those tickets are going for like 150 bucks or and more. I mean, oh, that's even 150, like dude! If you could get me a 150 dollar ticket, I'll take no, it. I'm right sorry, uh, like 1500. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean 1500. Yeah, yeah. Russ Roberts talked about this on his podcast. He saw it. He went. He he paid an enormous price and went and saw it. Yes. Well, no, he didn't pay an enormous price. So that that's that's the thing, and he he's actually he has talked about this. What he, he well, so this is this is I, I want to talk about Hamilton, but let's talk about the R- Roberts analysis of this because I oh find that's this, right he got the tickets at list didn't he he got the tickets at list for yes. I don't know two hundred and fifty dollars and you know for so for for a family of four it was a thousand dollars let's say I don't I don't know if that's the exact numbers but let's right just, right yep 
right? And what, what he was saying was, he's like, okay, so we paid $1,000 for this, but we could sell these tickets, you know, and it, this is what he was looking at, yeah. for, for 10 times their value. You could probably get them for, for you know, $2,500 a ticket because of where these seats are, right? right? So what his analysis is, was is, you know, whether or not we know it, we're, we're actually we're, we're losing this additional seven thousand dollars. I mean, we're we're it's costing us seven thousand dollars more to go to this show. Yep. And 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 only his economics way, you know, proves that. Hey, listen, just just because you got the tickets for the two hundred and fifty dollars, if their value is now twenty five hundred, that's still a loss to you. Yep. yep. <laughs> And, and he did. He did agonize over that, being the economist that he is. But I thought, but his logic, Ed, was so kind of non-economic. I mean, it was economic, but he right. said, you know, I might not be around to enjoy Hamilton later on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting up there in years, so I might as well just go. <laughs> right. And well, and he also knew that he would not enjoy the original cast too, which is another thing that is factored in. There's already been a couple of members, including the guy who so brilliantly plays uh, King George the mm. Third, uh, has has already left the show. So, it, 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 and that's what's going to happen is over time, you know, the the, the original cast members are, are going to be be leaving the show. So, uh, pretty interesting to see, to see what comes of that. Okay, so sorry, uh, sorry for bringing that up. I didn't mean to distract you. No, that's okay. That's okay. So the so the, so it is my my new obsession because it is just brilliant, Ron. It really is. It's you know there's a the the it is at least it's based on the life of of Treasury Secretary, first Treasury Secretary and founding father Alexander Hamilton, uh, based on a book by uh, Ron Chernow who wrote a you know a, a literary or scholarly I should say uh, work about Alexander Hamilton. Well, this guy mm-hmm. Lin Manuel Miranda picked up. The, the book on vacation a number of years ago and just decided that and, and, and said it inspired him to say, hey, listen, there, sh- there really should be a musical based on this guy's life, right? Really fascinating. And most of what we just know is that he was killed by, Al- by Aaron Burr, right? In a right. famous school in, in Weehawken, New Jersey. Uh, while, while Burr, by the way, was still sitting vice president of the United States. Yep. <laughs> just... just <laughs> I kind of like how they settled their disputes back then. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and that was that, that's actually part of the story as you get into it is that it, it it was technically illegal both in New York and New Jersey dueling was, but it wasn't enforced in Jersey. <laughs> Just, mm, mm. <laughs> and and there was also pa- uh, palpable deniability because they were both New Yorkers who rode across the river had the duel and then after the, after the duel came back so even when they though they there there was I think an arrest warrant issued for Burr they couldn't touch him because he was in New York right right, right? Huh. and there and there was there wasn't there wasn't you know the full reciprocity <laughs> at that point so I don't know what was going on but anyway uh, but my point is is that this is it is is truly a a work of genius and uh, well we'll I'll post a clip in our show notes to it to get people introduced. And the clip is Lynn Manuel, um, who is the, again the author of the show. He uh, took a risk, and a couple of years ago, before the show even went to off Broadway, he revealed the first song t- in front of President Obama and a group of people uh, who were celebrating the the, the 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 spoken word and poetry. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's really just very clever and genius, and, and it follows history for the most part really well. Um, perhaps the most moving or one of the most moving portions of the musical is a, is a, is a song called One Last Time, where George Washington asks Alexander Hamilton to help him write his farewell address. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, Washington sounds the, the, there's a this banter back and forth. His, you know, Alexander Hamilton says, you know, the people will say you're weak, and and Washington says, no, they'll see we're strong. <laughs> and the ending of the song actually fa- fades in, and it's 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 a couple of paragraphs from Washington's actual farewell address. So, Ed, isn't isn't Hamilton moving to Chicago or something? I saw somewhere. 
Yeah, Chicago, I think LA, there's a couple places that it, that it's it's going. But the, and the, the last thing that I just want to mention, it, 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 and then we'll take, go take the break, is that the character of Aaron Burr, he's got this other song called I, uh, uh, The Room Where It Happens. And he just, because the, the, the lyric is, I just want to be in the room where it happens because he's always left out. It, <laughs> right. And you got to listen to it. It would it could totally be Hillary Clinton's theme song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like absolutely riotous. All right, listen. Well, we're going to take our break here. We want to remind you that you can get a hold of us at AskTSOE at VerisAge.com and certainly TheSoulOfEnterprise.com where we're posting complete show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows. And please do pay attention now. We have a, a show archive that features a page where all of our shows are listed in reverse chronological order. They start with the most recent show up top, but can you can go all the way back to episode one. And we also want to highlight that our live events page is up to date and ready to go. So if any of you want to see Ron or myself or both of us at a certain select dates, we'd love for you to, to come and visit with us. But right now, we're going to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The mountain is high, the valley is low, and you're confused on which way to go. So I've come here to give you a hand and lead you into the promised land. Come on and take a free ride. Come on and take a free ride. Come on and take a free ride. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing Free Rider Friday. And, Ed, you talked about Hamilton. Does that mean you've got tickets? Oh, heck no. <laughs> heck no. Yeah, no, I, unfortunately not. Um, I'm, I'm sure that I will not get a chance to see the original cast unless something crazy happens in the next month. But if anybody out there wants to give me tickets, I'll take them. You know, I get the original cast uh, point because I, I, when I saw Spam a lot, it had David Hyde Pierce in it, you know, the guy from Frasier. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently he dropped out after a while and went on to another play on Broadway. But it was great to see him. That that really made that worthwhile because I think I paid paid a premium to to see Spam a lot in New York. But it was it was well worth it. Yeah, it, I, it's not that it's not that the people who come in afterwards are bad or anything. I mean, this is Broadway. You can't suck, right? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's just that I think I I think, and as as someone who's acted in the past, it, is that because you, they are creating the character f- f- from scratch as their own, there's a, there's a far deeper understanding of it than anyone else who comes into the role later. That's all. So. Right, right. Well, Ed, I've got an obnoxious one, and you probably know about this. Um, this comes from the Foundation of Economic Education. Uh, they have an on-site, you know, uh, articles. This is from June 2nd, how the FAA shut down Uber for planes. It's by, yeah. Jared, it's by Jared Meyer, fellow at the Manhattan Institute. You know, you can, you, there was an app called Flight Now. And they had a website and they had an app. 
and they, you know, you could fly from Boston to Martha's Vineyard for seventy bucks because mm-hmm. it was really a flight sharing thing. You know, yep. if, if a pilot was going up there anyway and he had capacity, yep, come on on down, seventy bucks. Now, if you chartered a plane from Boston to Martha's Vineyard, it'd cost you a thousand bucks. So the FAA steps into this and they say, no, no, flight now is a common carrier putting it in the mm-hmm. same category as United, Delta, American. <laughs> and there's just no way that private pilots can comply with, you know, the same level of regulations that common carriers do, right? Mm-hmm. And what's, what's doubly obnoxious about this regulation and this ruling from the FAA is this flight sharing concept is nothing new. It, it's still legal to find people to share flights on bulletin boards or telephone calls. You can call up your friends and say, hey, Ed, I'm going to Martha's Vineyard. You want to tag along? And that's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. Right. But the FAA worries that an app takes it beyond friends and acquaintances. <laughs> so they even said this in their ruling. They said, if you can advertise a flight if you're a private pilot on Facebook, but if you have like a thousand friends, well, then that's too many and you're a common <laughs> So it's like, it's so it's it's impossible to know what's legal or illegal in their mind, right? What what's the cutoff number of friends threshold? I mean, this is insane, right? And it, you know, existing pilots under existing law aren't allowed to make a profit. They can only share costs, mm-hmm. right? And even though this type of of it's really carpooling, it's not. The founders of Flight Now say this is not Uber. This right. is car, this is like carpooling, and it's legal in the EU, which is interesting. This has nothing to do with safety because even Captain Sully, uh, you know, couldn't qualify right. <laughs> right. Uh, for this. So it has nothing at all to do with protecting the public. Uh, the theory by this writer, Jared Meyer, is that you know the the FAA is getting pressured by private charters and airlines. Yep. So the flight, and Baptists. That's it. The flight now founders have filed a petition for certiorari in the Supreme Court, so they're trying to get it reviewed. But Mark Sanford, a Republican from South Carolina, has actually uh, got a bill in the House uh, to amend the FAA's reauthorization bill to amend this ruling and take it out. Um, so it's a, it's awaiting the floor vote, and I haven't seen if they voted on that yet. But that th- you know. We should live in a world of permissionless innovation. Shouldn't have to ask for permission for this kind of stuff. But here the FAA comes in and just squashes what could potentially be a fantastic business model. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what would be even be the problem if it were for profit? <laughs> I know. Like, you know. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, it, it, it kills me. I mean, we have these common carrier regulations. It's kind of like when we talked about the FCC Right. And the whole net neutrality. And didn't those regs go back to FDR or something? Or I mean, it's yeah. the same kind of crap. It, it's just, you know, these guys are living in a in a Xerox world and we're in a digital world. The regulations haven't caught up. Well, and, but what would be any different from, say, you, you going to – well, I know you wouldn't because you're a CPA. But like a, if I went to a friend who was a bookkeeper – and and got some help with my tax return, and I said, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna, you know, take you out to dinner, or how about I give you a gift card for this? Mm-hmm. You know, is that and and now is that somehow is that person practicing without a license? Well, I guess as long as they don't sign the return. But yeah, what what's what's the difference if I'm if I'm flying from Boston to Martha's Vineyard, and I got a couple six seats on the plane? Why can't I even sell the seat even sell the seats on the plane? What does it matter? I, I know, and, and the idea that, you, oh, it's perfectly fine for you to post up something on the bulletin board in the airport lounge, you know, right. that advertises right. this. But if you turn it into an app, well, that's forbidden somehow. Or if you have more than X number of friends and nobody knows what that X is, it, it's just, it's, it's ludicrous. Wow. Wow. I was just reminded of the, the book this week, Ron, and I, I, um, Silverstein, I think the guy's name is, uh, Three Felonies a Day. Mm. Three felon- the, average, the average American commits three felonies a day. 
Oh, because of all the different federal, the yeah, yeah. regulations and and all that. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't yeah, su- yeah. Th- th- this this needs. I mean, Congress needs to step up their game here and rein in these agencies because these types mm-hmm. of rulings are just absolutely insane, insane, and they're stifling. And this is the kind of stuff that contributes to inequality. Not letting new businesses launch, not letting entrepreneurs step on the rung of. You know, economic freedom by entrepreneurship and that type of thing. It's just stifling. It just throws a wet blanket on on the economy, and and it it gets very little attention. Yep. No, I agree. And there's lots of different places that this happens. You know, it, it, in different states and through you know regulations of here in Texas, you can't be you can't shampoo somebody else's hair without a license. It's just, right. We've talked about the teeth whitening. I've got I've gotten yep. another example in the stack that we won't get to about contact lenses. They, they have all these stupid regulations about manufacturers of contact lenses and 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 you know the the doctors that dispense them. And it's just going to stifle competition, raise prices, and of course, the manufacturers' contact lenses love it. And it's well, all right, and then all, all yeah. disguised to protect the public. Yeah. Then there was the you know the, the the I think we talked about this on our free rider. The kid who 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 made the the it wasn't the braces, but it was the the Invisalign braces, effectively for himself out of a three D yeah. printer. Yes. You know. And the next thing you know, you're like, okay, well, it's fine he did it for himself, but he could, couldn't do it for somebody else. Well, what if he writes an app that does it for somebody else? I mean, you know, this is where, where, I know. where does or, this or, go? Yeah, or sells the program, you know, so another 3D printer could print it for somebody. Yeah, it, it's insane. It, yep. Yeah, but what we need, Ron, and this is according to a LinkedIn article that I'm going to talk about here, we need, we need a better capitalism, Ron. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, a, yeah, the third way in between. The third way. That's, what, that's yeah. right. Yeah. This is an article that came across. I, I I don't know who either sent this to me or I, it, I just just received this as part of a, a, a mailing from LinkedIn or something. But this guy writes this this whole thing about you know the the the, the, the problem with companies who are only in it to maximize profits for their shareholders. Right, and over the more decades, the balances shift terribly. And of course, what's his number one point? Wage stagnation. Yep. You know, since 1950s, wage stagnation is going down, 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 and company profits, you know, Ron, are increasing. They're on the on the rise, uh, even though the, the the scales, if you look at this, is you know completely flawed because the the profits that are increasing uh, are are more flat. Uh, but but the but the graphic for profit is taken out to the uh, another decimal point. Mm-hmm. Right. So the graphic <laughs> right, for right. profit is taken out to another decimal point, whereas the the profit for wages is is at is at uh, is at a at, at a full percentage. Right. Right. So right. So therefore, you know, looks like profits are going up. Well, yeah. When you change the scale by a factor of one hundred, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, and then there's all these comments supporting this guy and blah blah blah. And I I I posted. Exactly, you know that this is the the charge. The, first of all, the wage charts don't include any benefits at all. Standard of living is completely ignored. Yep. And once again, I asked an audience this week that are the question, and I find this really powerful. Would you take your salary today and go back to 1965 or even 1985? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's a great question. And you know, you'd you'd be more wealthy. But you got to think about all of the stuff that you wouldn't have. And usually the conclusion that people come to is, uh, well, I might go back if I didn't know about today. <laughs> right? But yeah. the last thing that I wanted to, to kick in in this article, and I know we're up against a break again, is the, this, this article repeats this. And I don't think we've talked about this. This, you know, consumers are 70% of the economy, Right. Yep. And we must stimulate consumer spending and blah, 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 blah. But why do we need to stimulate consumer spending, yet the same people rail against consumerism? That's the thing I can't square. Yeah, and, and, and the 70% number is bogus, and I can't believe you brought that up because that's in my stack. So I I'm knew gonna- it would be, so that was the feed-in. I, I, I knew where you were going. You were probably going to talk about Skousen's Geo stuff, right? Yes, all right, good. So that's so. So now I'm just I'm setting you up for that. I'm setting okay. you up. Right. <laughs> but good. I mean, Ed, this whole third way. There's got to be a third way. <laughs> the third way is 
is is a path to the third world. Mm-hmm. I, I totally I agree. just don't buy it. So, folks, we need to take a break, and we'd like to remind you, if you'd like to email Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Please check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com and, like Ed said, our live events page. And you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Quanta CRM. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Here on the Soul of Enterprise, free riding on Friday. Love that song. And Ron, Ron, I was just talking about this article that I read, and one of the things that it points out is this: you know, consumers are seventy percent of the economy. And I knew where you were going potentially with this because I've been reading about it a lot of as well. And that is economist Mark Skousen's gross output or GO metric, which. To, one of the things that, that, that struck me is the, the government has now finally fully blessed this as well and is tracking it as part of their key economic indicators, isn't it? They are. As of April 25th, 2014, at the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is the Department of, the Department of Commerce, announced a new data series, Gross Output by Industry. So gross output i'm going to try and do this as best i can cuz i don't want to get too wonky with this right who, yep. who i mean you think talking accounting is boring the talk about national accounting it's even worse <laughs> but gross output measures the spending throughout the entire production process mm-hmm. unlike gdp gross domestic pro- product that just looks at final output right mm-hmm. so it includes all b2b transactions this gross output measurement Right. right. Think of it this way. This is and this is one analogy that the the gross output, the go statistic, is the top line. The GDP is a bottom line. It's not a perfect analysis, but it's close enough. In other words, right. Right. the GDP is not a full picture of our economy. If you exclude mm-hmm. the supply chain, <laughs> do you know right. how much activity <laughs> yeah, activities going on in the supply chains around? I mean, think Apple, think any comp, think Boeing, think any complex, mm-hmm. you know, product. Even services have complex supply chains, yes. right? Consulting, big four, whatever. So, and Skousen's been on this for a long, long time. And he basically came up with the GO statistic. Now, he's tweaked it from what the government's done. But let's just stick with the GO statistic from the uh, Department of Commerce, in 2014, and they issue it quarterly, Ed, so they don't do this on a monthly basis. They do it every quarter. Um, 
the for 2014 GDP was was uh, 17.6 trillion, but the go measurement was 31.3 trillion, almost mm. twice the size of GDP. Right. So if you if we break down GDP, and this is what I wanted to hit with your 70 percent comment, GDP is comprised of consumer spending, government spending, investment, and net exports. Right. And yeah. If you look at GDP, let's just take a look at the whatever, the $17.6 trillion GDP. So this, again, 2014. Consumer spending is $12 trillion of that. That's 68%. That's where we always hear, and we hear it everywhere. You hear it on the news. You hear it on Fox Business yep. Channel. Every, consumers are 70%, two-thirds of the economy. That's, that's all we ever hear. Uh, right. Government spendings about 18%. Private investment is about 16%. Net exports is actually negative 2%. So the GO statistic from the, from the government is $31.3 billion, but business is $16.6 trillion of that. It's more than 50% of economic mm-hmm. activity. Now, Skousen takes it one step further in his book. He's got something he calls gross domestic expenditures because he says the government's go metric leaves out. It does not include all sales at the wholesale and retail level. So he adds them back in, and that's another $7 trillion, And he calls this gross domestic expenditure. And, okay. if, you do, and if you look at that, again, 2014, it's $37.5 It's 25% higher than the government's gross output measurement and 120% of GDP. And the interesting thing is only 31% is consumer spending. Mm -hmm. Consumer spending is less than one third of our economy. It is not 70%. And and by the way, um, consumer spending is is a result of a prosperous production side, of of a prosperous supply side. You can't consume unless you first produce, unless you're a child. Or living yeah. off somebody else, um, you know, it's production that drives demand. Uh, well, we're back to Say's Law again, Ron. Yes, right? we are. <laughs> that that, that brilliant, brilliant economist. So. But, but it is interesting that, that, you know, that the government put in this ghost statistic because it, it really is the most significant advance in national income accounting since World War II. It gives us a different picture. And what's really interesting about it, Ed, is it's, uh, uh, bu- 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 it's, it's far more sensitive. The go measurement is far more sensitive to business cycles, right? So, mm-hmm. for instance, in 2008, 2009, nominal GDP fell by only 2%, right? That was the worst point of the recession. But sure. go statistic, gross output, fell by 6%. And business-to-business spending collapsed by 10%. So you're starting to hear a new word in economics uh, from economists. We're in a business recession. We're in a business recession. Huh, I had not the, heard that. Yeah. Now, that's very interesting. Larry Kudlow likes to say this a lot. And, and so does Mark Skousen. And it's because of this ghost statistic. Because it's giving us another dimension on economic activity that's been that's been largely ignored, which is the supply side. So I think it's actually quite an advance, and and we should pay a lot more attention. And I haven't seen as much of it covered in the media, uh, but Skousen he's he's written a book about it, which is which is really good. The structure of production. Now it's a wonky book. I'm I'm not going to go so far as to recommend it unless you really 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 love economics. But we will post the Cato podcast that they had with Mark Skousen, Steve Forbes, and George Gilder. And they each talked respectively about their books, but it was all, it's all linked together really well in this Cato podcast. So we'll, we'll get that up on the show notes. So what, what are your feelings, Ron? Do you, do you think that this is going to be something that people, and let's just call it journalists will begin to embrace and begin to talk about some more? Do you have any, any thoughts or insight into that? I, 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 I haven't seen it, Ed. The Economist just did a big article. It's in my stack. We won't get to it, but they had a huge cover article, How to Measure Prosperity. Mm-hmm. They talked about a lot of the gaping holes in our GDP measurement, 
right? It does a right. lousy job. It doesn't, it doesn't account for things like Wikipedia and Facebook and Google, all the things that we get for free, you know, the whole standard of living argument. It, it's got other gaping holes. The, the data sets it uses are completely uh, slow and, and they're not in real time. You know, they could do better with that, with internet searches and, and analytics and big data and things like that. Um, and it's always been a flawed measure of standard of living, right? If so, if you know, the old joke from Paul Samuelson was, if if a man marries his maid, GDP falls, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. the maid, you pay the maid as an outside, you know, person, and it that's reflected in GDP. But when she's the wife and does the housework, you know, as part of that arrangement, that's not measured by GDP. So, so right. we've always known it's been a flawed measurement. But The Economist had this enormous article, four pages on and on, about how GDP needs to be revised. Not once did they mention the new ghost statistic. Not once. And this is The Economist. And, and, and by the way, Britain's measuring it as well. It's not just the United States. And right. The Economist didn't talk about it. So that kind of tells me that, no, you know, journalists are lazy. They're not at the cutting edge. They're kind of yeah. lazy. Um, so I'm not sure. if I've, I haven't heard anybody talk about this other than the think tanks, Mark Skousen himself, obviously, and Larry Kudlow has talked about it because he had Mark right. Skousen on his show. Well, but they've convinced somebody in the, the in the Bureau of Ec- Economic Statistics, though, which has got to be that's a that's a huge win, I would think. You, you know, it, the first thing that the person from Cato who introduced that that podcast <laughs> said was, "Cato, we here at Cato don't think that's a mark of <laughs> of achievement to have the government." <laughs> 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 Which I, thought was, I get, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty good I, slam, I, you know, pretty good libertarian slam. So, but I, no, I, I do it's, think it's important right. that they're measuring it. Which is which is good because I I think it, it, and the fact that it is supply oriented is because that was that was my final point to this guy in his his article is that hey you know the 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 economy doesn't run on GDP right the the it's, it's not driven by computer um, com- consumer spending it's it's driven by creativity and entrepreneurship right? right that's where it's time for a more balanced way of thinking that's the people, balance we need people in North Korea have enormous demand too. The problem is they don't have a good supply side, <laughs> so their standard of living is is terrible. Yeah, nope. What a mess. What a mess. All right. Well, we're back up against a break. Wrong. We want to remind our listeners that they can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com. Also on Twitter at at asktsoe, and of course hashtag asktsoe. We do monitor that. We look at those tweets, so keep them coming. We would love for you to also review our book on Amazon.com as well as the the show's as pot version of the podcast, which is on iTunes. And if you want to find that, you can go to thesoulofenterprise.com slash iTunes, and that will take you right to the Apple page where you can subscribe to the podcast. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The mountain is high. The 
riding here on the Soul of Enterprise. And Ron, I want to ask you about another thing that's pretty topical, and that is your thoughts on the Brexit. You know, the government of the UK is considering leaving the European Union. They already don't use the euro. They're they're on their own currency, but they're now formally considering breaking from from that, mostly because of the, I think, the economics of it. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that? What do you think What do you think is going to happen? And what are your thoughts on the concept in general? Well, I, I don't think they're going to vote to leave. Um, it, it, you know, the prediction markets say it's it's not going to pass. Um, but Ed, I went back to a 1992 Forbes interview with Margaret Thatcher. And I just think her wisdom on this is, is absolutely prescient. She's, she worried in this interview that 80% of Britain's economic decisions will be made in Brussels. And here's what she said, and I, I think this is worth reading. What is it about some of these people who enjoy the freedoms of democracy, who enjoy the elected representatives being accountable to the people? Why do they want to substitute bureaucracy for it? She goes, we just reelected our parliament. What for? Just to be a talking show? I mean, she really worried about this. And she didn't think the European common market, uh, she says, it, it's not big enough. <laughs> it wasn't a big enough idea. She wanted a major continent, two continent free trade zone, you know, with Eastern Europe, North Africa, North America, um, and all of that. And she just, she worried about the immigration issue and the nationality and sovereignty and all of that. But you read through this Forbes interview from 1992, and wow, it, it's, it's just as relevant today. They're, they're arguing over the same things. Yep. Well, I, I want a free trade zone that's the entire world. So that's, you know, that'd be fine with me. Absolutely. Oh. Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and a free, yeah, trade, free trade agreement, like we've talked about, should be pretty easy. You know, one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There shall be no tariffs, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just a quick check of of predict it, Ron. Yeah, you're right. It's it's really swung around in the last couple of days. It's now now saying 80, 85 cents for no. Mm, okay. And and that's not what the way what's being reported in the media. By the way, a couple of articles I saw was saying uh, too close to call. But yes, that's what I saw too. Yep. Um, so real really interesting. So, Ed, I got something here on Apple. Apple, um, guess who bought a billion dollars of shares in Apple? Mm, I did not Buffett. see this. I know. Wow, Warren okay. Buffett, 85. Now, you know Warren Buffett likes mature firms. Yeah. And he's, and, he's self, and he's proudly ignorant about technology. He says that all the time, right? I know nothing about high tech. His investment in IBM hasn't been too good. Maybe Watson will change the fortunes of that. But he bought this $1 billion after Carl Icahn, who's 80 years old, sold a $5 billion stake in Apple. So the economist, in their British understated way, said the sight of two octogenarians grappling over the firm's fate does not enhance its aura as a temple of innovation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Apple's stock is cheap. It's going for 11 times earning earnings just uh, by comparison alphabet sells for 29 times earnings which is google's holding company and facebook ad is 72 times earnings wow apple invested also a billion dollars into and i can't pronounce this i'm probably going to screw it up dai dai chuckzine which is china's uber okay and uh the the theory is they're trying to curry favor with the chinese government but they also need to do this with india ed they just got slapped down in India for opening Apple stores. There was a ministerial decision deeming their products, Apple's products, are not cutting edge. <laughs> and it kiboshed wow. their plans to open uh, Apple stores. Because here's the deal. In India, if it, you, products made outside of India, 30% of that product has to be sourced inside of India. Apple's obviously aren't. Mm-hmm. So, and there's an exemption to that. You can get an exemption from that 30% domestic requirement if your product is state-of-the-art. And the India ministry said Apple's weren't state-of-the-art. <laughs> Even well, though how Tim, much of that is just protectionism, though? Well, exactly. I mean, Tim Cook went over there. He said, you know, we'll, we'll launch a facility here. We're going to have a, you know, four, we're going to create 4,000 jobs. Uh, he even attended a cricket match for crying out loud and <laughs> visited the prime. I, I figure anybody who suffers through a cricket match should be allowed to do whatever they want. 
now, now, cricket's not bad. <laughs> but um, I, I guess Why Apple's crossed. I guess Apple's crossed a billion dollars in sales in India, but it's pretty small potatoes compared to their two hundred thirty-four billion worldwide. But anyway, I just thought that was pretty interesting that Buffett now has got a piece of uh, piece of Apple, piece of the Apple. But I can but, but I can sold five five million five billion five billion. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny. I mean, the market is not putting a big uh, p- big premium on Apple. Uh, you know, they worry about their future. Their sales have dropped, right? They they reported a quarter of, of drooping sales, I think, of their iPhones, and that's got people nervous. You know, I guess they're worried about the pipeline. So, you know, like you, uh, one of the items in your stack, I think, on last Free Rider Friday was their R and D, right? Mm-hmm. They're really stepping up the R and D game. And yep. it's going to be really interesting to see if anything comes out of that in terms of you know <laughs> a new product that they can that they can launch that uh, you know will help their share their share price. Yeah, that clearly comes to comes through as as some kind of a game changer. I mean, I I, I think it's out there. I I don't I think they it w- well it will be out there. I don't know how long it's going to take though. It, it might not be in the next even year or so. But uh, you know. It, it, I, I can't see their car being a complete flop. I just can't. I can't either. Any any more news on the car? Have you seen anything? Uh, no. Expected launch date? Mm-mm, nope. Haven't haven't really. But I I can't say that I've been seeking it out either. It, 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 yeah, but it, it hasn't come across my across any of the streams that I follow. So no. Right. I have seen some recent things about the driverless car. You know, the the projected sales of like a uh, driverless features in cars going down. Um, you know, it's in in other words, it, it this this is slower than we think. Yeah, much to my chagrin, I suppose. I, I mean, I'd, I I I wish it could be quicker, and I think it could be quicker. I think there are just there. It's it's a cultural shift that has to take place. It's not just the technology piece; it's the emotional response to people getting used to. Hey, you're going to have to share the road with a with a, an autonomous vehicle and not somebody else. So, another, and, and not another human being. Yeah, and there's some still some stifling regulation, right? California oh, and yeah. the states that allow them on the road they require full reporting. From Google and other companies yep. that are experimenting, and and that's got to be somewhat stifling, and you know, yes. just bureau- yes. bureaucracy. <clears throat> yep, and most 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 states require that you uh, uh, ha- have uh, uh, an operator of the vehicle. So, right, that's think about problem. what that would do to that kid who's trying to do the deep learning car that mimics how you drive. Yeah, he couldn't right, comply exactly. with, them, you know. So no. anyway. No. <laughs> All right, Ron. Looks like we're wrapping things up here on Free Rider Friday. We flew by, Ed. I know. Always, always does. Always does. So, uh, but th- but this is as always is, has been fun. What's on store for next week? Next week we are going to be interviewing Greg LaFollette. So we're looking forward to having him on the show. Excellent. I look forward to it. I'll see you in 167 hours, Ed. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please do visit us at www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Welcome.